Welcome back to Sustainably Influenced, the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability with your hosts, Charlotte Williams and Bianca Foley. Hello and welcome back to the third episode of Sustainably Influenced. Today we are going to be talking about sustainability and the luxury fashion market. So, Charlotte, if you needed to describe luxury items in three words, what comes to mind? Harrods. (laughs) (laughs) Chanel Paris. (laughs) No. Um, Luxury items. I would say expensive. Mm Mm-hmm. I would say, this isn't a word, this isn't one word, but like difficult to find, Mm -hmm. department store. Okay, cool. For me, I think things more to do with the actual design and craft of the (laughs) item. I'm not here thinking about Harrods and Chanel and they're expensive. I'm just no, thinking joking. about money and No, but brands. it's smart. because I'm glad that you said expensive because that is something that you associate with luxury items all yeah. the time. So for me, it's like durability, exclusivity, which is where you were trying to go to when you were saying yes. lack, of, lack of trying to find it or being able to find it and craftsmanship. But mm. for me, it's like, why would consumers shop these when sometimes superficial brands and often overpriced products, which is what you mentioned, over sustainably made ones? Many people believe that the words sustainable and luxury are two opposing concepts. Some feel that the globalization of the luxury sector has led to greater environmental and biodiversity impacts, which I think we can all kind of agree with. There's, mm-hmm. It's all too much. And it's as if everyone everywhere can access designer goods. It's, for me, accessibility isn't an issue anymore. But this is a completely different like side topic, which is what I talk about with buy now, pay later and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, we've had this chat before, yeah. but should we just quickly go into it? Because it's yeah. actually one of my favourite topics to talk about. So because of how easy it is to make purchases online now with things like Klarna and buy now, pay later kind of things, it's so easy to buy a designer. Mm. And also... Pay has changed. People do actually have, even though there's a lot of craziness going on in the world with more disposable income. Yeah, with our like taxes and everything, people do have more disposable income, so they are able to buy a designer. So it's quite interesting because I was talking to someone about this the other day who is like really wealthy, and they were like, "Yeah, you can tell like nouveau rich versus old old money, and also just like people who don't have a lot of money." Because they just wear head to toe designer, and it's really branded, and then. If someone had older money, they would buy designer, but it wouldn't be like Burberry with Logos the writing. Right yeah, chest. yeah. <laughs> but it's always understated. It is understated. Old rich versus nouveau rich. I went out for dinner with Emilio, my fiance, a couple of months ago, and we went to this just like really nice restaurant, and there were a load of like really wealthy people there, and he just didn't know. And I was like, babe, that woman is wearing everything was she was wearing a Montclair jacket but you couldn't like tell it was Montclair I just saw the logo she was wearing a pair of Isabel Morant trainers and then I couldn't see her trousers like head to toe designer yeah like everything and then she had some sunglasses on they were Gucci but like it wasn't like Gucci on the side I just knew that they were because I'd seen them in the shop and I was like that woman is just head to toe thousands and thousands of pounds but she also just looks like she's wearing a puffer jacket with a pair of jeans and a pair of trainers. Yeah. And that is, to me, that's what screams money. Yeah. (laughs) But it's this funny thing that I think so many people think that when you're buying designer that you can actually buy lots and lots of designer items. And for me, I just don't think that it's sustainable in the traditional sense. 
of sustainability is a word, but it's the idea that you can't continuously buy at that rate as a regular person. The average Joe can't be spending that kind of money on clothing. But you look at teenagers and Gen Z now and you're just like, wow, how are you guys being able to access this? And I do think it is the idea, well, I say the idea of buy now, pain later, but it's not as if these things are brand new. Finance has been around for a damn long time. Yeah, but it's it's just just more accessible now and it's much easier. I saw a kid literally yesterday when I was walking the dog and he was going to school and he must have been year nine, year 10. And he was wearing a Givenchy t-shirt. It was like black with Givenchy in like coloured letters. And I was just like, who? When I was at school, we wore the gap. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very, very strange world that we now live in. But tying it back to sustainability as a, as a whole, one thing we do know for certain is that luxury brands can't ignore sustainability anymore. And I think mm-hmm. that that's something that they've tried to get away from for a very, very long time. But the visibility of those brands means that consumers need to actually be demanding accountability. And not only from fast fashion brands, because I think that that's something that we all do very well. We're all very loud on social media and talking about how the likes of Pretty Little Thing and Boohoo need to pay up and do things and Primark need to do it as well. And nobody's shouting that at these luxury brands. Mm. The only one that ever gets it are Montclair and who's the other one? Canada Goose. Canada Goose, because of the fur aspect yeah. and the other sides of it. So to me, it's just we need to be demanding more from them in terms of sustainability. Yeah, it's definitely that. But it's hard because greenwashing is so easy to do. And all they need to do is put something on their website to say yeah. like... It takes one quick sustainability statement and that's yeah. it. And that's, okay, we're being sustainable. That's it. Sorted. Yeah. There's no change to their practices a lot of the time. And a lot of the time that's just, that's enough. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. I definitely shop with brands that can do better. Yeah. I think we all still do. And it does infuriate me to know that I give them my money, but I'm a slave to capitalism, I think. (laughs) Don't make me laugh. The way you said it was just like, I'm a slave to capitalism. If you could see her face right now, it was very nonchalant, like, yep. It is what it I is. Don't, I, don't, I don't want to be. I'm working <laughs> on it, guys. <laughs> so getting into today's article. Today's article is titled, Is Sustainability the Next Frontier for Luxury Brands? And it was published on Forbes back in 2021. We will put a link in the show notes. So one of the biggest things from today's article was a stat that really stuck out for me. And it says, did you know that in 2018, the new generation of consumers, millennial and Gen Z, drove 85% of luxury sales growth? Stop. Yeah, that's wild. These consumers are very much focused on things like sustainable practices, messaging and products. So if you're so focused on sustainability, how, I mean, I'm trying to link the two. My brain's kind of like (laughs) come apart at that bit because I was like 85% of luxury sales growth came from our age group, essentially, and below. What? Wait, where was this article from? Forbes. Oh, my God. What? This goes against, like, everything marketers are always, like, fighting against. But, like, we should market to older people because they have the income to spend on stuff. But kids have money. Where are they getting the bloody money from? I only got, like, 20 quid a month. Yeah, but I think it's because so many of them have been able to monetize things like 
YouTube channels or mm. social media. And Depop. I, Depop. And mm. I was going to talk about Depop as well. But Depop, we're going to do a separate episode on Gen Z and we're going to have somebody from Depop on there, hopefully. Mm-hmm. It's good to touch on it in this because you can access so many designer and luxury brands on Depop. I don't always know the authenticity side of it. Um. I think for me, I would trust more the likes of Vestia Collective. Yeah. But... That's me just being a little bit of a, a snob like that. Oh, my God. I'm such a snob. <laughs> my friend, no names being named here, but my friend... Well, not bought, like the last episode. Not like the last episode. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Naming and shaming. Going she would it. actually kill me, but my friend bought a Prada bag off of Depop, and I saw her a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, that's a nice bag. And she was like, yeah, I got it from Depop. And I was like, it's not real. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, I've got like four Prada bags, and that is not a real bag. And I also have bought them... All second hand. All second hand. They were for me. eBay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They were all for me, babe. I was like, babe, they're not, that's not a real bag. And she was like, oh, I wasn't sure, but you know, I didn't want to ask any questions. And I was like, oh, don't buy knockoffs. Yeah. And I'm watching House of Gucci at the moment. Mm-hmm. And Gargoyle's character, who is one of the Gucci guy's wives, one of the OG Gucci owners, was promoting this the sale of knockoff Gucci items yeah, back in the day. Wild. And because it was like a profitable business, which was crazy to think about. And she was like, no, it's the legacy. They can't, you can't have this tap being like sold. And I was just like, whoa, I can't believe that was a thing. It cheapens a brand, but it's also the side door. It's, we could go down into the deep, dark depths of what happens with knockoffs and things like that. Yeah. And child labor and everything else. But I think most of us, I want to say most of us have a fair idea of what happens. So I don't really want to go into it because it's also quite depressing. But also <laughs> a lot of these knockoffs are actually made in the same factories that yeah. the bags are made. So yeah, it's just bizarre to me. But another stat that stood out to me was that 73% of millennials are willing to spend more money this might go against your whole foundation and your beliefs again but they're willing to spend more money on a product if it comes from a sustainable or socially conscious company whilst 81% of those people that 81% of that 73 expect brands to be transparent and actively talk about their sustainability impact I feel like that kind of holds up because yeah I feel like millennials gen z they're all a little bit more clued up I think it does come from social media so much of it. Yeah, it does. And that's social activism where yeah. you can, everybody shares something. It's like, oh my God, I've learned all this information from an infographic and you've never actually read the words on it. But <laughs> you know how I have an issue with it. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's that idea that if we are then willing to spend more money with a sustainable brand and then we're also the people that are spending much more on luxury, are we then putting together the idea that luxury is more sustainable because we're buying less items, mm. but they're more expensive and we're keeping them a longer time? I don't think that's what they're thinking. But um, I don't no, no, no. Know. I'm just, I'm posing a question. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not too sure. So, yeah, right. So this is a great question because I do have, my mindset is kind of like that mm-hmm. in the sense that I will purchase a designer piece of clothing like the skirt I'm wearing today. And I know that it will, it's like really well made and it will last a really long time. And I will probably... As long as it's taken care of, right? As long as it's taken care of. (laughs) So this isn't going in my washing machine. I will take care of this product and then it can either be given to my child or my, one of my siblings or nieces or whatever, or it can be sold. And I know that there's like longevity in this. Whereas if I were to buy a piece of clothing from a more fast fashion outlet 
then I would know that it wouldn't last as long. Generally, mm. wouldn't. That being said, I've got pieces of clothing that I've had from H&M. I even have like this old Primark dress that I got like at least a decade ago that's still going strong. So sometimes fast fashion does. I think this is something that we all need to talk about, though. I'm glad that you've raised that point because these high street stores, we never used to call them fast fashion brands. Mm. Back in the day, they were just called a regular high street shop. They were just a shop. They were just <laughs> shop. You go to the, shop, to the shop to buy your clothes. <laughs> and for me, where I did used to shop at Primark, I would, I would have to put my hands up because... I was of the age group where Primark, when it started coming up in the UK, it was all the rage, babes. Oh my God, do you remember when it was embarrassing to be seen with a Primark bag? Like, and, and then all of a sudden it, it was like, it was good. Like a badge of honour. And now it's like crazy good. You there do. was, I was in, I think I might have been in year 11 or I was in sixth form. And Primark was starting to become really cool. And we had like a free period and we all got the bus down to Kilburn because that was the nearest one to my school. And it wasn't a short journey. It was like an hour each way. And then we we all went and bought these gold glittery sequin bolero things that they released. And they sold out across the whole country. And this store was the only one that had. (laughs) We all had it. And I I kept that for about 10 years. I sold it maybe just about four years ago. Oh, my God. I sold it about four years ago. But it was so well made. And this is my thing where I think the overproduction and the overconsumption has come more recently. Yeah. Years ago, I wasn't shopping at the rate that I was in my 20s, in my early teens mm. or my late teens, my mid 20s. I was shopping more like it's just I think that idea of fast fashion has come around a lot more recently where it's brands want to be selling way more items. Yeah. And then they're producing more. And it's and that, the quality is going quality well. like Zara. I remember Back in the day. And it was like really good quality. And same when I was in my 20s, I lived in Portugal and I was head to toe mango at all times. And the quality was incredible. It was like... Chef's kiss. Yeah. It was like <laughs> someone's still wearing them. Like It will yeah. last test time because they're really well made. Now, not so much. A Zara suit 10 years ago or 15 years ago was the absolute item to have. Because yeah. they were so well made. Like even places like M&S. For me, M&S tailoring, all right, the quality may have gone down in slightly more in more recent years, but I bought some vintage stuff. I love how I'm saying vintage M&S. St. Michael's. Yes, St. Oh, Michael's. I love St. Michael's. A little bit of vintage M&S from eBay a couple of months ago, and it was a beautiful leather jacket, a, leather, a tailored leather blazer that was on trend two years ago again. When came did... back around, and I've given it to my stepdaughter. <laughs> so going on to a few other talking points. So we've spoken about how accustomed we all are to broadcasting our lives on social media and that consumers perceive themselves as part of the brands almost. So it's kind of like you want to be seen to be wearing a brand, so that's why you buy into it. And Mm. I think that's what it is with a lot of designer stuff. And it is not a badge of honour, but it shows that you have money or that you can buy into it in a weird sort of way. And I think that's something that's definitely apparent with millennials and Gen Z consumers. And it's people want to buy from brands that align with their own personal feelings or their own ethos Mm. about things whereas the previous generation I think their mindset was that luxury items were things that you mentioned before that would be loved and cherished and handed down from generation to generation you think brands like Rolex Chanel Mm. Patek Philippe and all of these kind of brands where they're beautiful incredible incredibly expensive brands as well that Mm. continue to raise their prices as demand goes up now Years ago, it wasn't that. Like, my sister had a Louis Vuitton bag when she was 13. My dad bought for her. And 
I think that he probably paid about £300 or £400 for it back then, but it was beautiful. But that was a long time ago. And... <laughs> I remember wow. I wanted a little. No, I said that like, I was saying that like that was a long time ago. Like, I'm giving away ages. Gosh, she's really getting hate on this on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, um, but I remember really wanting a Louis Vuitton bag when I was younger, like so badly. But I refused to get a fake. I remember my mum being like, "We'll just get you one from Bobby Market. It's fine. Get a fake." <laughs> and I was like, "No, like I, I want one." And obviously, my parents were not going to get me one. So I had friends that had these bags, and I really wanted. Them. I also had this. I like, remember. I had this friend who just had like loads of Louis Vuitton bags, but she was really wealthy. She had a horse. Um, I, don't know, I don't know why she went to my school. I don't know. We weren't Sorry, like a that's just that is the measure of wealth. Yeah, she had a horse. She had a horse and like stables and stuff. It was so random. But um, she, I wonder, I don't know what she's doing now. But she um, had like a load of Louis Vuitton bags, and I was like, oh my god. For me, it was like the epitome of luxury. It's one of the weird things. I don't own one still. I would still like one if anyone's listening. I always go to buy one on eBay, but just never do in the end. But yeah, it's just quite, just quite interesting how yeah, I get the time mean. has gone and they're still like the All of brand. the designer items I've ever bought for myself or that I've been bought mm. are things that I know. And I take care of my stuff. You know, I'm like, mm. I get really upset. I ruined a pair of trousers last week and I actually cried over it because <laughs> I'm so, I get so upset when I ruin anything. Those items that I've got, I take such good care of them. They're all in their dust bags. They're all in boxes. For me, it's the thing that I want to be able to give that to my nieces or to my sibling and or to my stepdaughter and stuff. Like, I want to be able to pass it on or to sell it. Mm. Like, I have always been an avid shopper on of secondhand stuff, <laughs> but I've always resold. And I think that's where I started yeah. with my secondhand luxury life. I always used to sell items before I would buy anything else. And that's that for me was how I got into it. And I think that's why I've always been a big believer in buying and selling secondhand. Yeah. We should really mention a couple of luxury brands that do have sustainability at their core. There are a few. Don't give me that face. There are a few. Go on. Stella McCartney. Oh, yes, Stella. Obviously. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we all think, but... There's okay, other, fine, right, I'm yeah. with you. Okay, Stella, yeah. Vivian. Yes, that was good. Also, Vivian, Vivian Westwood, the Gen Z mafia are like buying, <laughs> this is where the, all the money's going, they're buying bloody Vivian Westwood stuff. I I went to a uni this week and I did a talk and four girls had a Vivian Westwood necklace on. I was like, guys, you're like 20, who's bought these necklaces? So Vivian Westwood's having a moment and I kind of feel like I should buy into it so that I feel and look as young as I, <laughs> as I want to be. But it's nice to see that we now have the rise of ethically minded shoppers. Yeah. And I think that that's a much wider conversation and a lot more accountability needs to be held of the luxury industry. Mm. And it's wonderful to see that brands like these heritage brands as well mm. that have had sustainability or ethics, even if you take sustainability out of it, yeah. the ethics there at the core of their practices and the manufacturing process, to see them rising again because these younger consumers are being a little bit more mindful with what it is that they're doing. Yeah. Now we're going to be speaking with Scott Stanerland, model and sustainability advocate. So Scott, firstly, thanks so much for joining me. Um, would you mind giving our audience a brief overview of what it is that you do? Yeah, sure. So currently, um, I primarily try to only work with sustainable fashion brands, whether that's 
on the modeling side, mm -hmm. whether that's the creative projects on Instagram and social media or consulting as well. So I'll go into brands that are some are very sustainable and some are not so sustainable and work with them on how best to communicate the things that they're doing. That's fantastic. I think the consultancy side of things is something that I'm seeing growing so much. Mm -hmm. So many more of us creators are going into that. And I think we're seen as the experts almost. So it's good to see somebody who is an actual expert going mm -hmm. in and doing it. So let's talk about sustainability in the luxury sector. Do you think that it's possible for luxury brands to really be sustainable whilst maintaining their current business model? I think the business model stuff's really interesting. And due to like the pandemic and everything that's happened over the last two or three years, I think the rise in different business models is making the space more sustainable. Yeah. So when we say, can it be sustainable? As soon as we're creating or producing new things, it's immediately not sustainable. Mm. But I think the luxury space can be more transparent. It can be more ethical and it can be more aware. So all of those things that contribute to the sustainability landscape, I think we've seen more of that being contributed to and there's more budget going into those areas because I think a luxury consumer nowadays is more aware of those things so that it's going to have to be a necessity in years to come. As a side question, in terms of the consumer, do you think that consumers are a lot more clued up nowadays compared to, what, 10, 15 years ago about ethics, mm. about how a product or a garment comes into being? Yeah, I think the consumer's more aware of the word sustainability because yeah. you're seeing it pop up in every sort of fashion landscape at the moment. It's whether they're more aware of the greenwashing terms that are associated with mm. the landscape. So as much as people, like my dad in Turkey, who's not into fashion whatsoever, will buy a T-shirt and go, yeah, it's made of recycled polyester. And I was <laughs> like, that company is greenwashing, but the mere thought of my dad consciously seeing something as a positive thing that's recycled is almost that conversation where greenwashing works because yeah. he's thought about it and he, he's made a decision to buy that one instead of one that doesn't say it. So it's really it interesting. Roundabouts, yeah. That's a really, really fair point. It is interesting because greenwashing almost does work. Mm. I do have issues, obviously. We all have issues with yeah. greenwashing, but it's the thing that if it's making a consumer think about something in a slightly different way, sure. how do we then further that in a way to then educate people in the right way and make sure that they're making yeah. the right, more conscious decisions? You mentioned greenwashing, so I'm glad that you did because there's a lot of controversy around sustainable luxury mm. as a term. And greenwashing has become a part of everyday vocabulary, like you said. It's often more associated with the likes of Pretty Little Thing and mm. Boohoo and all these other fast fashion brands. Many assume just because a brand comes with like a hefty price tag that the garment is automatically like better oh. in quality oh. or that it's more sustainable or ethical. But my question to you is, with an increased demand for luxury items and the pressure for sustainably made goods, do you think that we'll see more luxury brands leaning into that greenwashing side of their messaging? Yeah, I think it's most prevalent in the fast fashion brands that you've mentioned, yeah. purely because they're very trend-led, they're consumer-focused, and over-consumption and over-production are... They rely on those things to, to get garments out. Mm. So if they can put a few buzzwords out there in the shop floor and online to help keep selling more clothes but mm. look more sustainable then that's going to be their first port of call with luxury fashion to me and the normal sort of luxury consumer that i associate with it where it's like an occasion vibe because it's special and it's expensive yeah that to me is inherently more sustainable just because the way i value it is going to be different i'm going to want to look after it because i've spent so much money on it mm. whereas a fast fashion consumer is it's so disposable that it's easier for me to replace it and buy another one than the it cost is doesn't matter. take care of it because the cost is out of mind, really. 
So I think we will see greenwashing terms pop up in luxury fashion more. For me, the most prevalent is probably the faux fur and the faux word, because it's kind of like the looks and the faux and yeah. those sorts of terms that are like not conventionally English terminology that we would use outside of fashion. And so when they say faux fur, what they're actually saying is plastic. Yeah. And when they say recycled polyester, what I'm hearing is it's plastic. still plastic. So I think the terminology will be greenwashing to people more aware, but will actually help them sell more product. Definitely. And I think I'm so glad that you raised that because so many people don't realise that things like leather alternatives right. are mainly plastic. So many vegan alternatives right. are basically plastic. And so many people don't know this. They just mm. think because they hear a word that it's better. And the word vegan for me falls into that same vein with greenwashing. So it's a really interesting topic to discuss for me because I love my luxury fashion. I have this idea and I think it's something to do with my upbringing. I was taught if you're going to buy something that's more expensive, you take care of it. But I I think as I've gotten older, my mindset was whatever I'm spending, I have to take care of something. Yeah, totally. And I think that that's how we kind of need to flip the messaging on its right. head. It's like also the Castro's book is Loved Clothes Last. And I think changing that mindset from this is a luxury item and this isn't a luxury item, we should just group them as things we need to look after because there's no planet B sort of thing. Like yeah. the broader mentality of looking after stuff better. There's still similar factories being used for a fast fashion company that uses your 100% cotton and a luxury company that uses 100% cotton, how different are those supply chains? How different are those factories? How different are those workers treated? We got called out a little bit online Mm. this week because we was at Milan Fashion Week and went to a Max Mara show and people throw Max Mara into good on you and we know nothing about Max Mara. But because I was there in person, I sat down with Ian Griffiths, who's from Derbyshire, like I'm from Derbyshire. Um, <laughs> Local lad. <laughs> longest running creative directors. Max Mori is a family ran business. Yeah. It's produced in Italy. It's one of those items where I don't think many people have more than one Max Mora coat that is a lifelong buy. So as much as there are sustainable elements within luxury fashion, I think we also need to just change the way we value clothes in general. Yeah, totally agree with you. I think... I have this fear that sustainability is going to be a trend and that's something that I want to advocate against. So I want it to be part of everyday society. I want us all to have this mindset that we look after everything that we own. And it's not just about whether it's sustainably made or ethically made because there is no like any item of clothing or anything that's produced is not sustainable at the end of the day. But my thing is that we just need to have it. We need to educate our children and the next generation so that they know that whatever they've bought, whether it be a cup, a plug, a dress, a pair of jeans, whatever. You look after it and you keep it for a lifetime. I always go back to thinking about my mum's wardrobe. Like I shop my mum's wardrobe first and foremost before anything. Mine, <laughs> <laughs> like my handbag today is my mum's. Yeah, I took it and it's like, it's an old Dorothy Perkins one, which is a fast fashion brand. Right. She bought it. I think I was still in primary school. So mm. about 20 years ago. And that to me is fantastic. The bag yeah. looks pretty much brand new. The only thing that's wrong with it is there's a little bit of fraying on the edges. I know people that would get rid of it. But I look at bags that are in the shops now and they're exactly the same, the same style. And I think everything comes back around and it's how you look after things. So that leads me on very nicely, actually, to my last question. So when consumers are looking at making like a possible, I want to say a sustainable luxury purchase, so brands maybe or products that are more sustainably made within the luxury sector, what should they really be looking for? When I buy luxury items, I look at the things that I wear the most. Mm -hmm. So whether it's like 
a trench coat, a sweatshirt, a black t-shirt, like the things that I will get the most wear out of so that that cost per wear yeah. is best as it can be. But in terms of the actual garments, I always look at the composition, whether it's natural fibres, whether it's virgin material, mm-hmm. whether it's polyester, whether it's a blend, because that will give you a, an idea of how repairable it is, how replaceable it is, how well it was made, mm. and the things that you can do when you're done with it. If you ultimately have something 10 years, I had a Burberry jacket 10 years, and then I was like, do you know what? It's time that someone else gets something out of this. Yeah. And it's in good enough condition because it was made from great materials yeah. in whatever so I was able to then pass it on and then it's new to someone else so I would say the composition and looking at your wardrobe before you go to buy something and how that fits in and how many times you'll wear it yeah I love all of those tips because that's everything that I always Mm. I feel like I'm starting to get a bit preachy at people like look at your wardrobe shot your wardrobe but it's what we do it's what we've always I think most of us have always done I find that creators in this space that we've always kind of had that mindset Mm. and it's not anything new to us it's just that there's a name for it now. <laughs> there's a way for us to describe yeah, an, it. An yeah, yeah, there's an identity associated there. Yeah. So it makes us seem like we're preaching at people, but we're totally. not. It's because it's stuff that we've always yeah. done. So for me, I'm going to keep preaching at everyone and telling everybody yeah. to shop their wardrobes and look at what the, co- the composition yeah. of an item is first. It's the less trend-led items that I find that you get the most value out of. It's not so seasonal. It's not so occasion where yeah. it's just something that you could wear pretty much all year round, season on season, yeah. whatever goes, this is an item that I can pair it with something and make an yeah. outfit out of most of the time. One of my pet hates with luxury and fast fashion is you have fast fashion influencers that will be wearing a £5 dress and they'll pair it with a $500 handbag. Mm. And so you're wearing pollution with luxury. Yeah. And so they're selling this super cheap dress and buy the super cheap dress with my affiliate links but I'm going to pair it with five Cartier bangles and a Prada handbag. So which one, who's, who's more relatable? It's like, I'm one of the people I shop fast fashion because it's, I'm broke and like, you know, it's the only option for me. Like living parsimonious is one of the most sustainable things that you mm. can do because you have no choice. Yeah. But by shopping two, three, 400 quid hauls and buying 40 items, pairing it with a $500 handbag, those are not the same person and they shouldn't be the same customer. It's just, it's been blurred so much online with influencers that yeah. we feel that's relatable now. Yeah, definitely. That's a conversation that I was having with my partner the other day that I feel like it's something to do with, I know that we say that there's no class systems anymore, mm-hmm. but I do think that it's that everything is so attainable to everybody with the likes of like Klarna and Clearpay and all yeah. these things. And I understand that they do serve a great purpose mm-hmm. for people that may not have the budget to do something and you can pay something off. Mm-hmm. But when it makes things that are seen as elite purchases, right within reach of a 19-year-old student, for instance, who's then going to get themselves in debt, then to me, that's a big problem. And that's something that we really need to tackle. Totally. If there's one thing that, like, for listeners or anyone that sees this or listens to this, if you go and have a look at the LVMH Prize finalists, and these are a short list of some of the most creative people and designers that are coming out of fashion school or a few years new into the industry and have their own brands, there's about 10 or 12 so designers now, I think it's the semi-finalists, but look how many of those in their blurbs are doing something that is related to sustainability, whether they're using mm. offcuts, dead stock, repurposed material, process, like all of these things because they know it's the only way to do things going forward. And so I think pretty much all of them have an element of that. SS Daily, one of the ones from the UK, I think he's Liverpoolian, he said he's combining style and fabric and design to fight the disease in the UK of class. And I think that was really poignant to be in an LVMH prize finalist 
and still talk about class within within fashion. Thank you so much to Scott for joining us. I think that that was a really, really insightful conversation. Mm. I particularly loved what you were saying about greenwashing because it's something that we both discuss quite a lot. What were your thoughts? First of all, Scott is very funny. I yeah. just want to put it out there. But there's a few things. So what he said about the Instagram girls wearing fast fashion, so they'll be wearing like a PLT dress. And then he mentioned like four Cartier Brangles. <laughs> and yeah, and like, a Prada handbag. And a Prada handbag. I, ha- I hate, I hate it. Yeah. I'm all for mixing up your wardrobe. Mm, cool. Yeah. Like I will wear like a vintage coat. Like the other day, this guy like complimented me on my outfit. It was a big like deal. You made, you I was like, like oh my God. <laughs> but I was wearing like just a trench coat. You wouldn't know it's from, but it's vintage from eBay. And then a coach handbag. And then this like really nice jumpsuit that I got from Sefin. And he thought it was like all designer. And I was like, no, like the coat cost me like £15 from eBay. It's like really old, God knows where. My trainers are Keds. But when I went through my list, it wasn't like bad places, you know. Mm. (laughs) No, I get what you mean. But it is that thing for me where you see these girls, and I'm so glad that Scott mentioned it, where you see them in like the £3 dress. And then right next to the £3 dress is a really, really expensive handbag that's probably sold out everywhere. And it's just so unattainable for the regular person. And I feel like it's putting pressure on people to keep up with the Joneses in a Mm. completely different way. Whereas I think our age group, it wasn't so much the designer stuff when we were younger. For me, I don't know if it was more body image was the issue, where that was the kind of stuff that we were... Yeah, we, we had pressure with. All right, you did have pressure with clothes and things, and having the latest trainers and stuff like that as well. But I don't think it was as bad though. Yeah, I did. I maybe I'm just looking at it in hindsight and being a bit older and not being able to remember it. That no, I remember that time <laughs> in my life really well, and I remember we just had. This being said, actually, I've just like triggered and I've unlocked a memory, guys. But I would shop in like markets, mm. which you don't really have anymore. Yeah. But how those pieces of clothing was made were made, I don't know. But I would shop it's in probably like probably questionable. Yeah. <laughs> but in like I used to go to Bovenden Market, Watford Market. I grew up in Hertfordshire, so like all those small town markets and village markets. Probably not great pieces of clothes, but they had good pieces that it wasn't like all fake designer. Like it was like yeah. good style, which. Is that better than Pretty Little Thing? I don't know. No, I, I mean, it's a good question to ask. And I mean, I don't know if either of us are qualified to no, really can comment on No, can someone, that. if you're listening and you know the answer, if I bought a pair of jeans from Watford Market in 2005... And still have them? No, I definitely oh, okay. don't have them. But how bad... Would they have been? Would they have been? Yeah. Who made question. them? Yeah, who made your clothes? Oh. Um, don't, it's okay, you don't have to feel bad. No, I do feel bad because I'm like glorifying this and I'm like, oh, sugar. Yeah, but it's, this is why we have things like this podcast because it makes no, because it it's therapy. <laughs> no, it makes you ask questions about things, and then it's the idea for me when you know better, you do better. Yeah, so, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's partly what it is for me. So I try not to be too down on myself about what I've did in the past when I didn't know, and I like to be honest about it so that I then don't go and make those same quote unquote mistakes again. Yeah. Moving on now to the sustainably influenced sustainability school. Again, this is a weird one. I don't know how to score it. I think the score for me would be like a 1 to 10 rating system if I was going to score something. Yeah. But I think 
sustainability in luxury is possible. So I'm going to give it, and I think as a lot more brands are looking to make changes and are making changes and looking at their codes of conduct, their practices, putting in sustainability goals and targets, for me, I think we're going to say a six, I think. A six, that's what I'm going with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say uh, loosely, if I'm giving it a one to ten. I think this is hard because it definitely depends on the brand. Yeah. As an overall concept, it can be split into two things. So sustainability and luxury, as in the concept of buying less and spending more, mm-hmm. is like, a that's what sustainability is though you buy less but yeah, it's going to yeah. cost more no no right okay so that's yeah. that's that's high I'd say like that's I'd give that an, an 8 but if we if we're thinking about buying products even though you're buying less of them that haven't been made well had the people making them are suffering and it's bad I'd give that a 1 so it's like, ooh, where yeah. do we sit? No, that's a, I, I like that. I love the, the equality, or not equality, <laughs> what is it, fairness? I'd say yeah, the fair, that's balanced. a very fair, that's very balanced. That's exactly what I was trying to okay, say. Okay, I wouldn't give it one, but it is low. No, I get what you mean, yeah. So I feel like I learned a lot this episode. Mm. Well, thank you very much for listening and tune in again next week. And we'll speak to you then, I guess. I'm yeah. saying it like I'm hanging up the phone. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for calling. <laughs> thanks for being involved. Thank you. Say hi to your (laughs) mum.